welcome to the Oxford Leadership Knowledge Club member interview podcast number six. Hello, Hannah, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you doing? Great. I'm very good, thank you. It's lovely to talk to you this morning. So today we are talking to Hannah Alhousi, who is General Manager of Corporate Banking at Ali Bank in Oman. She's a board member and chair of the Audit and Risk Committee and chair of the Ali Global Equity Fund. Uh, Hannah has had a hugely successful banking career, underpinned by an international education, notably in the UK and the US. And she dedicates lots of her time to supporting and raising the profile and careers of women in banking in Oman and a whole range of other charity and sponsorship roles, some of which I think we will get into today. Um, So I am delighted to know Hannah personally because we were on the same cohort in October 2019 of the OAMLP and therefore I have had the pleasure of being totally impressed firsthand by Hannah's intellect, her business acumen, her absolute grace and her undeniable impact. So should we make a start Hannah? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for those uh, words Philippa and pleasure is uh, all mine. And thanks for having me on the Oxford Leadership Knowledge um, uh, Hub series. And I think I'm the first podcast for 2022. So we wish everybody a a happy new year. Yeah, we do. Um, Yes, yes. So, yes, I have, um, as you mentioned, um, been in banking for about 21 years, but um, I'm actually not a banker by um, education. So I'm actually a microbiologist by education. Um, but coming back from the U.S. at the time was not able to find anything sort of challenging enough to, uh, um, you know, get into that field and um, ended up starting uh, in, in banking, which is, you know, a completely um, a different field um, than what I was used to um, in my studies. Yeah. I mean, that's you You talk. I mean, I've read a little bit, obviously, about you and you are in the uh, 100 Successful Omani Women book, which is uh, which is great. And that was really interesting to read. You talk a lot about influences um, on your life that have helped you make choices and given you strength and determination. So so what was it when you sort of came back from the US and went, right, OK, nothing in microbiology. Let's try banking. Yeah, so at the time, I mean, you know, we come back from uh, university after four years abroad, and then we get back into, um, you know, the local Omani culture. And for those um, who don't know the Sultanate of Oman, we are located at the Arab Peninsula, bordering um, Arab Emirates from the north. We have Saudi Arabia on um, the west, and we have Yemen on the south with, you know, a 3,000 kilometer coastline. So it's quite a conservative Arab culture. Um, And coming back and, uh, you know, a lot of the females would be either nurses or teachers or, um, you know, HR administration or, you know, back office and finance and not really um, had the leading roles. And this is about, you know, what I say 20 years ago. So um, coming back um, to Oman and adjusting to the local culture, it was um, really talking to different people who have been abroad and come back and how they've you know, adapted back into um, uh, the culture. And, uh, 
every time I went for an interview on microbiology, I just felt that was not the culture or the, the working environment was not really one for me. And um, I had a senior banker um, who's a cousin of mine who said, why don't you try banking? And I said, oh, I don't know anything about, you know, financials or numbers and all of that. And he said, you just give it a try. So I went into um, um, a, a program um, and did all the assessments and everything and did very well, surprisingly. And I really never looked back. So I, I tell everybody, even now, because we have this issue in our mind of people coming back with certain degrees and not finding the right jobs, that a job, um, you know, a degree is a means to an end. You don't necessarily have to get into the field that you've studied, although ideally you should because you've invested four years. Um, but it's okay to switch. And in fact, people in science have a different perspective and way of thinking. So you can apply all those um, you know, skills into, into different industries. So even today, when I go out to different universities or, you know, talking to the youth or talking to the ladies as well, and people are so confused about what to do, I give them my example. And um, it's, uh, I'm happy to say it's inspired quite a few people to take that leap of faith and get into something, you know, different or something new. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, science, definitely all those sort of critical thinking skills, using evidence, bringing that to the fore, the research mm -hmm. is definitely, you know, it's just a transferable skill um, that's yeah. really required, I would say. I think it's really interesting listening to you. And again, when some of the things that I've read, you are really modest about your achievements. Um, now, you know, uh, when I had a chat with Lalit about, you know, tell me what, you know, tell me, give me your, your views on, on Hannah in advance. Um, he says to me, she's one of the most qualified women leaders in Amman. Um, and you've got a bit of celebrity status, I think, going on um, oh, no, in your role. Not really, not really. <laughs> so how, really. Do you, how do you go? And you are, I mean, you are, you know, you're, you're a tour de force in, in your world in Amman. So how do you go from, you, you know, you talk a lot about it, you know, I wasn't quite sure, I was quite shy growing up. Um, you sort of said there when I went through the assessment, it was sort of surprisingly I got through. So how do you marry that? I mean, it's a great blend. And I think it's really good, particularly with the work that you do with women to say, you know, you don't have to be, you know, we, we don't always know. We're not always certain about our qualities and our skills. But what are the things that you think in terms of your character that have helped you go, right, OK, even if I'm not quite sure, I'm going to go for this and let's see where we get to. Yeah, so I think a lot of it is to do with the environment I'm in. And um, Lelit is right, and I have a lot of people telling me that you're very modest about your achievements and what you've done. And, um, you know, I'm not someone to, to blow the horn, um, but, but I do the best and I can. And a lot of females actually, is proven scientifically, um, underestimate their capabilities or don't really have that self-confidence. And um, that's why being at Oxford, um, you know, and I've attended a lot of other programs at London Business School and IMD as well, um, residential, but Oxford was really the change um, that I saw in myself that when you get this exposure internationally and you're able to relate to people and understand and even contribute, it just makes you realize that you are a world really, you know, a worldly leader and not really that you know, female who's come into banking in Oman only. Um, and that was a real eye opener for me um, being at Oxford. And, and if you remember, Philippa, you were there, we, we got into the Oxford debate and I said, you know, I'm just going to get into that. And mm. um, our organization at Ahli Bank actually 
had a plan to send um, you know, members of the executive management to the OAMLP. So my mm-hmm. CEO had gone two years before me and my deputy CEO had gone the year before. Um, I was, you know, we were in 2019. My deputy is actually going through it right now. And um, when I came back saying, you know, I was in the Oxford debate and we, you know, our team won and they said, oh, gosh, you even, you know, dared to jump into that. And I said, yes. okay, I was I was a bit hesitant. But, you know, uh, Lalit uh, sort of convinced me that, come on, you can do it. And um, that just proves that, you know, you you are capable of of doing a lot and, and don't and underestimate yourself. But I think a lot of people also have overconfidence. And we see that within our country as well of people who've studied abroad, who come back and think, okay, you know, I've seen the world and I have all these qualifications and everything that you need to have a balance between um, the confidence level you have because of your skills and contributing to, you know, the economy or the society or helping other people and not overdo it so much. Um, yeah. but I, but I still like to be modest with everything that I do. That's just part, part of my, um, personality, I'd say. Yeah, I think that, well, from no, uh, the, with you, I'd say that's, that's very true, but such an inner strength, I think, um, uh, and, and a calm, um, is the way I would describe you. So tell me, so you said when you, you saw a change in yourself when you've been to Oxford, what did you sort of during that experience and then when you came back what what do you think you've changed since you came to Oxford and how's that come through in the way that you work and the contributions you make to society? So I think a couple of things um, really was an eye-opener for me is taking the time out to reflect. I think we all you know running on a fast treadmill of a life that sometimes we don't have the time to just stop and sort of reflect on what we're doing and what's the end goal or the end in mind. And in corporate banking, you know, very competitive field, we fund projects, we do international syndications, and it's all about, you know, making the money and, 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 and pushing the numbers. And um, Oxford actually allowed me to connect the social part and the social contribution that I, that I like to do separately with banking. So I'll give you an example. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of people joining into banking and they come into corporate banking. It's very, uh, demanding, um, job. We're always, you know, running proposals, getting approvals for, uh, funding different projects and it's just number crunching all the time. So at Oxford and, and having that impactful leadership there, when, when it comes in and I say, listen, when we're funding a project, don't think of it as we're going to make an interest income or we're going to do that. Think about how we're contributing to the economy. We're going to fund a hotel. The hotel is going to boost the tourism industry in Oman. We're going to create jobs because we do have a high level of unemployment. So all these dots connect back for that for you to have that self um, sort of fulfillment, um, you know, with the job that we do and all those case studies we did about, um, you know, the, the toothpaste, um, if you remember Philippa and how, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, it was launched in India and how they had to get it adjusted, um, you know, to the culture there to have the sales. And so it's really um, having that impactful leadership so people have the, the end in mind and they have that fulfillment of doing the job and not really just a solid, you know, banker running the numbers and, 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 and pushing the targets. 
Yeah, because that's that's the outcomes driven, and the outcomes are not just the the money, but what are the, the what's the entirety of the outcomes that we're looking to achieve through this, rather yeah, than you know what what's the delivery? Absolutely. So, and have you found that? Because um, that's one of the things I was going to ask. Because you do a lot um, with charity, you've done things with the you know, charity for breast cancer relief effort, post cyclone in Amman, all kinds of things. Have you found it easy to influence your colleagues um, and the board to say, right, let's just take a social angle to what we're doing here? How easy has that been? Yeah, so it wasn't easy, you know, to begin with, um, mm. because although we do have, you know, a fixed corporate social responsibility, it was more of just donations and not involving yeah. the people into all these activities. Um, so um, coming back from there, you know, we said, let's, why don't we form a corporate social responsibility committee within the bank and the bank has, you know, good budgets for such things. Mm. And um, we involved the staff. And so we started all sorts of initiatives, whether it's, um, you know, Ramadan, which is the fasting month, helping um, distributing meals to people who can't really afford it. Um, we had a run a campaign with a lawyer association where um, brought together the different banks to um, put contributions in to pay off the um, legal fees of people who were put in behind bars because of return checks or some petty, petty, um, you know, crimes that, um, um, you know, landed them in financial trouble. They're not really mm you know, big thieves or anything, but they just had hardship in their lives and, and, and behind bars. So the bank contributed to those that. Um, and the, the big one really was, um, you know, in October of this year, um, when the cyclone hit Oman, we had a major sh mm. the cyclone Shaheen that hit Oman um, in the Batana coast, which is in the north of Oman, affected 11,000 families, um, you know, and cost, you know, millions and millions of dollars impact. People were literally underwater, um, everything gone. They've lost all their belongings. And immediately we, you know, sprung up as a bank and said, you know, since we have a WhatsApp group um, that the HR maintains and said, come on, we need to do something. And um, so we just sent out, a, you know, a message through the WhatsApp, I spoke to the CEO and this is what we feel we're going to do. He said, okay, get two, three people together. And we mobilized Philippa, a hundred people over a weekend. We just went to all the shops in the city, bought blankets and mattresses and, you know, food, gas burners, you name it, whatever it is that they need, even clothes for the children. We bought a bit of toys and things. And um, we, you know, set out and it's about an hour and a half drive from uh, Muscat where we, where we all work and everybody got into their own personal vehicles and we went down there and it was devastation. I mean, it was, mm. oh, there were some places we couldn't even get into. It's all muddy and, and, uh, and it wasn't really only about donating. So we were telling the ladies that a lot of people were emotionally distraught. They, you know, had no electricity, no water. Um, some of them were refusing to even leave to the shelters. They were just staying in their muddy houses with no electricity or, or water or anything. And it was more of helping them morally say, oh, you know, we've come um, as Ahli Bank, uh, you know, and we want to help you out. How are you doing? And, you know, this will pass, have the strength. And we're a religious society. So have that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, faith in God that things will come through and and it was so good to see that a hundred staff of the bank just volunteered on their own. 
you know, normally we'd, we'd sort of um, ask people to join or do things, but people volunteered on their own. And that was very, very impactful um, and, um, you know, commended um, by the municipality of the area. Um, and, and to see that members of executive management went, went in, because I went, you know, myself along uh, um, in the campaign. And it was quite self-fulfilling as well. So being able to mm. give back um, and, you know, have, have the bank invest in that as well, because they paid for everything, although the staff donated as well. Um, so it's really making a difference in society. Yes, we, we are a bank and, you know, we, we do generate um, returns for our shareholders. But at the end of the day, we like to contribute both uh, socially, financially and economically um, um, to the country. And it's been great to see that the executive management's, you know, been uh, behind this. And sometimes I do tell them impactful leadership, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and um, all these pop-up things that, um, you know, we've all learned from the OMLP because both my CEO and DC, deputy CEO have, you know, been there. So I can recall several things that, you know, let's do this. Remember what Walid, Lalit said, and they'll just smirk or, you know, give a little giggle and said, go ahead, Hannah, let's do it. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Your own little club, your little Oxford club. <laughs> but that creates those kind of um, uh, moments uh, create the, a, a narrative, a cultural narrative in the organisation. Don't they? And people talk about it, and then they they see because it's that practical implementation. And I think quite often people find with sort of you know how how can I you know like the conversation we had at Oxford, you know how do I change society? How can I? How can I make an impact? And you sit there and think, oh, I don't know, little old me, how can I, how can I do that? How would I even go about it? But it's these little things that accumulate and then you start, you know, you, you start a sort of a movement internally almost in your organisation to say, this is what it looks like. It can be very simple, but it's, yeah. the, it's the spirit and it's the ethos with which we go about it. And then that helps you think, you know, when I go back to the desk and I'm working on this client or this account, how how could I bring that in here? How could I transfer that across? So yeah, you see, actually, it, it, it has. Hmm, sorry, it has no. helped because I'll tell you, uh, going out and spending a whole day with each other is almost like a team building event, right? Without mm. you even noticing that that's what it is. So you know, we had people from different areas of the bank, and our mind is quite spread out um, as a country. So we've had people from the north coming into the south. People we've never really seen because the branches are all spread out. So people got to know each other more as well. And, um, you know, collaborations are now much more easy. And they didn't realize that a CSR initiative like this, um, when you rise to the occasion, there are other benefits that can come into the organization as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. OK, so let's talk about um, being a, a female leader in Oman, in banking, um, how... Talk me through a little bit through your career, um, how much that's been um, sort of evident, been a thing, or has it not been a thing at all? And how have you managed that? Have you sort of flexed and adapted? Um, what challenges that you've had? Yeah, so when I did um, join banking about 21 years ago, there were very few females within the corporate banking industry. In fact, I think there were only two of us in the entire department and the rest were all males. And that's because it entails, you know, going out and meeting clients and, um, 
um, you know, doing the site visits and things. So the ladies would be mostly the branch tellers or customer service at the branch, but not really into this um, technical role. And not having a financial background, that was a bit challenging to begin with as well. But I enrolled myself in, you know, the College of Banking and, and got all those um, courses. Um, being a young lady as well, and quite, you know, I would I would not say outgoing, but not very conservative, because a lot of um, the people within Oman would wear the full black veil, and not covering mm -hmm. the face, obviously, but covering the hair and and you know all the way I would wear suits um, to go to work and initially you know did not wear the hair covering um, for the initial you know couple of years but then um, as I matured into society and and, and um, you know got closer with my faith I did start wearing um, 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 the scarf and people would just you know look at you and say you know you're corporate banking or I remember I'd go with my colleague who's junior to me and they'd think he would be senior just because mm -hmm. he's a male. So they'd start the conversation looking at him and I'd just be sitting there. And then once they realize, oh, okay, the females, you know, the senior most. Um, so it's something that people, you know, had to adjust to initially. Mm -hmm. um, I remember even on the, going on the site visits where, you know, okay, we need to go and visit this uh, hotel that we funded. And I said, okay, let's go. And they looked at me and said, where are you going? And I said, what do you mean? I'm, you know, I'll have my hard hat and my boots and let's go and see what we're funding. And so that was something um, that people found initially hard to accept. Um, mm -hmm. There were some other females who maybe wouldn't even ride with somebody, you know, a male a colleague in a car when we went to a client visit or something. And I would because it's professional and, and, you know, that's fine. But that was only in the initial years. I'd say as more females joined um, sort of the the professional part of, you know, whether it's corporate banking or investment banking or treasury and things, then our male counterparts have learned to accept it. And as a country as well, women have been empowered, um, you know, through the constitution as well. So we have, you know, the council of ministers have females, we have ambassadors who are females. And our sultan also um, dedicated a, a Omani Women's Day that is celebrated in October every year. So over the years, we've seen, I would say, even equal opportunities coming uh, for women in, in voting as well. Um, and we've we've really um, you know been given really that opportunity. It's just that again, our ladies prepared to push the boundaries and get into there. And there are some sectors where the males are not very accepting, but in banking, I would say a lot more females have come um, into banking. We've had two chairpersons of banks um, who are females. One is currently um, still in office. And um, even within our own bank, our executive management are out of six, uh, two of us are female. So it's really, I mean, improving significantly, Philippa. And sometimes when I even read things in the West or in Europe or US where there's not equal pay for females and there's all these things, we don't have these challenges in Oman. I'm very proud to say that. And um, we've really been given an opportunity by our Sultan and uh, even ladies in education. I mean, I, I'm... Uh, chair the talent management committee within Ahli Bank. And we um, run two programs a year for the business graduates graduating out of university and then a high potential leadership uh, program. And the majority coming in over the past seven years, I would say are female. The female are just topping, you know, um, and the program. 
And uh, my CEO says, oh, Hannah, it's all because of you. You know, you're doing something. You're skewing the numbers. And I am saying, no, that's not it. And when we attend conferences and things, other industries are seeing exactly the same thing. Um, so the girls tend to probably mature much faster. Um, and, you know, and in our culture, uh, you know, the, the guys uh, get to sit back and enjoy and the ladies are the ones helping the mom at the house and doing all the responsibility, helping with the siblings and, you know, all the domestic work and things. So the sense of responsibility comes quite early on in our lives um, naturally. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really uh, proud for us to say today that um, women are in the forefront uh, in our man. It's amazing. How, how it changes over you know 20 years your career is 20 years and how much it's evolved mm-hmm. um yeah. but you you know you, clearly you've been part in, a part of that in your organization because you're you're role modeling um and that's quite often what you know what we say for, for women or for other people it's like you know people from diverse backgrounds can I see somebody above me who looks like me um, that means I can get there. I can aspire to that, but it's also I can see that there is a pathway because it's a t- it, it is attainable. Do you feel sometimes there's a bit of pressure on you because of that? Um, I welcome that pressure actually because it really quite fulfilling to me to inspire others. And I'll give you a couple of examples of other things that I you know I've gone through that um, I see as have has inspired um, other females. So. Uh, in Oman, there's uh, an award called the BizPro, which is a Young Achievers Award, where they um, recognize young achievers in the private sector. Um, I won this award in 2010, I think it was. Yeah, in 2010, about 10 years ago. And um, by then, I think only two females had won the award. So over the years, we would see that every year, one, you know, they choose three every year. Um, and it goes through, you know, you start with a thousand people and then you go into assessment centers and interviews and case studies and presentations and a panel um, until they decide who the top three finalists are. And year after year, um, people who'd come into the BizPro, um, you know, would ask to come and see me and say, oh, Hannah, you know, we saw that you won. Um, you know, how did you do it? What tips do you have for us? And all of that. And I'd open my doors to anyone really who'd, who, who'd call me and I say, sure, you know, let's meet up for a cup of coffee and we'd just have a chat and things. And I'm so happy to see that so many of them who did come in just won, um, you know, and, and they said, thanks for inspiring us. So thanks for giving us the tips. And I don't do that publicly. That's something I just do quietly because it's self-fulfilling. So when Lalit says about, you know, the modesty, there's no need to tell people that, oh, you know, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to form a program and I'm going to do it publicly and all of that. So I just prefer to do that silently. And as long as I see that it's impacting people, um, that's good enough for me. Um, Another one was a national CEO program. So this was launched by the uh, Royal Court of Oman to recognize um, 100 um, top leaders Uh, within the private sector and government sector as well, or government companies rather. And um, this was conducted in conjunction with IMD of Switzerland. And, um, you know, again, we had thousands and thousands of applicants and they had three batches. Um, The first year I opted not to apply because I was pregnant um, at, at the time. 
And then I said, you know, the, the next year, I think it was, I said that I'd apply for it. And, um, you know, I didn't think I'd get in really because it's, it's called a national CEO program. So they're identifying CEOs of the future and upskilling us to an, a residential program in IMD in Switzerland um, for three weeks. And then we were coming and going for almost 12 months, going to Singapore as well to learn the Singapore story. And um, went through all the assessments and the interviews and things. And there were only four out of 35, um, you know, slots on the program that year um, that uh, were female. And I was one of them. So I was quite proud um, to get into that. And they only decided that they're having three batches. So there was only one more batch to go after us. And um, all these ladies came in saying, what do you think? Can I, you know, shall I apply? And it's quite demanding. Can we do? And I said, go for it. So it's more of just, you know, pushing the ladies who felt maybe what I felt initially hesitant about shall I, shan't I, can I do it? Um, you know, and just being that driving force to say, go for it, challenge yourself you know, believe in yourself, you can do it. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, with publicity and, you know, the hoo-ha that always happens about females, just go for it silently and quietly and your work and your achievements will um, show up. And, you know, if you're worthy of it, um, you know, it'll happen. And even if it doesn't happen, then it wasn't meant to be. And there are other greater things out there waiting for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's that agency, isn't it? You have agency. You can you can take this forward if you want to. And I think it sounds to me like that's that's clearly a message that you are um, giving to sort of young girl, more junior um, women. And then they're looking at you and going, yeah, OK, and that's how you achieve it. And that's that is really, you know, that's shifting the dial, which is amazing. Right. You must be very proud. Yes, yes, I'm quite, uh, I mean, grateful that I've been able to, you know, do all of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so just um, tell me, um, uh, in a, on a day-to-day -day basis, in terms of, you talked a lot about impactful leadership, just how does that feel for you on a on a day-to-day -day basis? How does it play um, out for you? Yeah, so it's really, I mean, like I mentioned before in corporate banking, um, two, two, three things um, I, can, I can probably touch upon. One is impacting others, right? And it's not necessarily female. So I always say, the men say, oh, you have a women's day, we don't have a men day. And they say, oh, men, man day is 364 days in a year. And um, it's not only about the females, it's also the males as well, because you'll be surprised of how many males um, you know, also doubt themselves or see mm. even the females as competitors now. Um, so, you know, don't know how to deal with it. So impacting um, the people around us, um, creating more leaders, inspiring, um, you know, others to make a difference and really harnessing the aspirations of others because the passion is in there. People want to do, um, you know, want to contribute. They want to do things, but they don't have, maybe the channel or the avenue to do it. Um, so really impacting people's lives in steering them in the right direction and financially as well, impacting the economy while we can fund all these projects and, you know, which would create jobs, which would employ the youth. Um, all this impacts society, um, you know, on a, on a people front, but also on an economic front as well. Mm. Yeah. 
And one of the things um, that I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the other thing that but I hear this coming through in this conversation. Um, one of the things from Lalit um, was he said that you've got a genuine finesse to blend Omani's cultural values, enlightened Islamic thought and Western intellectual trans- traditions. Sorry. Um, which is which is a really nice, really nice way of putting it. And that's what I see coming through. Does that, does that ring true for you? Yes, yes. And, and I think it's something we've had to manage because being abroad and being exposed to so many things, you mm. still have to go back to your, you know, true values and culture. So pick the best out of all, um, you know, and try to blend it together. Um, and that's something actually our Sultan just um, touched upon a couple of days ago in, in his speech to the nation, saying that um, we are developing as a nation and we are exposed to the outside world. We are exposed um, you know, to social media, our children are. But don't forget the values and the culture of the country that we have. And that's what the country really has been able to do. I mean, if you look at a lot of our neighboring countries, um, you know, have the big skyscrapers and, you know, malls and, you know, all entertainment and things that when you're in that country, you don't really know where you are. Where are we? We're in the city and, you know, it's great. It's it's lovely. I love going there too, but it doesn't maintain that culture. And what you see when you come to Oman uh, is we don't have any skyscrapers, Philippa. The tallest building is probably 14 floors. And this is done purposefully because we want to maintain our culture. Not to say that we've not modernized. We have, you know, state-of-the-art highways and infrastructure and all. But the culture is blended in with the, with the modernity of life. And, um, you know, it, it sort of plays together quite well. And I remember actually when we were at um, Oxford, if you remember in the Oxford debate, uh, um, the topic was globalization. Is it good for humanity or not? And I remember, you know, somebody saying, oh, you know, globalization brings in social media and, um, um, you know, impacts uh, people in our, con- in our Muslim country, one of the comments was, and, and they're all, you know, um, not really defecting, but really going wild and, and doing all of those things. And, and I said, well, I'm an example right here. I'm standing before you wearing a scarf, sitting in an Oxford, talking to an, an international audience. And yet I've still maintained my values and my culture. So you can't really blame it on the exposure or, um, you know, being at the forefront of technology or seeing what's happening in the West. You need to educate your children um, what is right and what is wrong, right? So we all exposed to so many different things. It doesn't, uh, you know, have to be that you're just copying it just because it's, uh, that's the way it's done in, you know, in, in, the, in the modern world. Um, pick and choose what's right for you and blend it in with your culture and use it to your advantage. And I think that's what we're trying to do as a country in Oman and even for myself um, personally. Yeah, and really successfully, I have to say, you know, just listening to you, it's very, very authentic. um, And that all of your, you know, your your ethics and your... um, you know what is important for you just runs through everything that you you say everything that you do and that's why you become um somebody that um younger women or more junior women can aspire to and i undoubtedly not just the 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 women um that you work with 
uh, Hannah. Um, we're coming to the end now of this conversation, which I have really enjoyed. I think there's a couple of things that I wanted to um, pull out when you were talking about confidence and overconfidence and modesty. Uh, I loved the, when you were talking about having the balance, the, you know, the confidence because of your skills. But then how do you take that contribution forward to society? So what? What are you doing with it? And I love that um, thought. Thinking about outcomes, uh, outcomes for everybody in that sort of in that wider 360 kind of way. We're not just getting to a financial end, but what are we doing for society? What are we doing for our people, for our colleagues? Um, your utter determination, I think, um, is is amazing. Um, and the way that you give back and you are making a difference, quite clearly making a difference and, and your modesty, all of that. Um, you said pick the best of everything and blend it all together. I think, you know, we've seen that through your leadership journey. So thank you for sharing it with me and with the members of the club. I'm going to ask you, um, what would be the soundtrack to your leadership journey? All right. So I would say um, for, you know, most of the people know me and maybe even in, at Oxford when we had the karaoke evening, know my favorite singer is Mariah Carey. Um, um, she had a duet with Whitney Houston in the soundtrack to um, the, the, the Prince of Egypt. And the song's called When You Believe, right? So it does, ref it has a religious front to it. I think it re refers to Moses and things, but really it's when you believe in yourself, when you believe in a certain cause, then miracles happen. And, um, you know, people think miracles is just something that comes, you know, as a, you know, in, in the cartoons, you see a bit of stars coming in and then it, it all forms. But miracles really come from when you believe within that you can do something, you have that determination, and you can do it. And that's resonated throughout my career, that when I had an element of doubt and thought maybe I couldn't, I set myself down and say, um, you know, when you believe that you can achieve and you put your mind to it, you can do it. Um, so that's that's my soundtrack of choice. Brilliant. Hannah, it's been a delight talking to you this morning. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, I've enjoyed it very much. And thank you um, to you, Philippa, so bright and early in the UK um, this morning. Um, it's been my pleasure. Great. Lovely. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Somehow